It's time to make sports talk great again with Kurt Schilling and Steve Dace. Greetings. Happy Friday. Welcome to The Blaze, where we talk sports. I am Steve Dace. He is World Series champion forever, Hall of Famer in waiting, Kurt Schilling. We put 25 minutes on the clock. We get to as many of the day's sports topics in that amount of time and as best as we can sports only topics in that amount of time. And Kurt, are you ready to go? I'm ready to go, Mr. Yeiserman. Yeiserman. It's Yeiserman. Sorry, Yeiserman. Leave the dope rhymes to me, please. No, oh, please don't. Yes. No. Okay. All right. Yes. Let's just get to it. Are we officially ready now? Yeah, we're ready. Yeah. 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 And so we put 25 minutes on the clock beginning now. So yesterday I gave you the floor for the Stanley Cup playoff preview. I'm guessing you would like to give me the floor for the preview of the NBA playoffs because this is not exactly your jam. So here are the playoff odds uh, heading into the postseason. There you can see the Warriors at four to nine are an overwhelming favorite. Um, and, and, and the reason why, cause if you do the math, it, it kind of almost works out to two to one if you keep dividing it down. But what they're doing is putting a premium on what you have to spend up front in order to invest in the Warriors. So it's not so much that, you know, four to nine, you'd still get really good return on your investment. You know, if you win, if you get, if you get an ROI of $9 for every $4 you uh, invest in any, uh, you know, ratio of any industry in America, you would take that. But you can see the amount you need to wager upfront minimum on the Warriors. That's a steep price because they're the overwhelming favorite. Uh, next are the Bucks at 13, and two, 13 to two odds. The Raptors at 19 to two. The Rockets at nine to one, Celtics and 76ers at 16 to one, the Nuggets at 18 to one, which is an interesting number because until about the last two weeks of the season, they look like they were going to be the number one seed in the West. The Thunder at 35 to one, the Blazers at 40 to one, Jazz 60 to one, Pacers and Spurs are 80 to one, Magic 100 to one, Nets 125 to one, Clippers are 150 to one. Now, if you take a look at these odds, I, I think those odds on the Warriors, it really speaks to the fact that. That uh, the odds makers don't have much faith in the other top tier teams. The Bucks, Raptors, Nuggets, and Trailblazers are, are the teams with the next uh, few best records in the NBA. And those aren't teams that are traditionally known uh, for having a lot of postseason success, or at least in the case of the Trailblazers, uh, recently aren't known for having a lot of postseason success. Um, and, and so they're, they're clearly setting these odds to discourage the public from picking the Warriors to win a third straight NBA title and fourth in the last five years. So if you look elsewhere on the board, if you're looking for a good value, here's where I would go. I'd go to the Rockets at 9-1, to one, and here's why. Uh, Houston finished the regular season every bit as hot as the Warriors. They both uh, went 8-2 uh, and two down the stretch. Uh, they finished one game out of the number two seed. Okay, So even though they're the fourth seed, those teams were all pretty bunched up. They were only one game out of the two seed. They'd have to face the Warriors in the semifinals, and I. But I know this is going to sound weird. I'd actually rather face them then. Um, I'd, I'd rather face because to me, there's even less pressure taking them on in a second round than there is uh, in what amounts to a Final Four round. Houston also went three and one against the Warriors this year. Don't forget, they almost beat them in the playoffs last year. They had them on the ropes a year ago, uh, and you know Chris Paul got hurt, and maybe if he doesn't get hurt. Maybe the Warriors don't even make the finals next year and the Rockets make it instead. Also, defensively, uh, by every metric, the Rockets are the better defensive team to Golden State. So I, if you, so I think Golden State's going to win the championship. 
But with those odds, they're heavily discouraging you. So if you're looking for what I who I believe to be the best value on the board, for those reasons, I think it's the Rockets. You also have a team that have two certifiable Hall of Fame players on there and James Harden and Chris Paul at, that, that can carry you uh, in any given night as well. And then if you want a first-round upset, I'm going to go with six-seeded Oklahoma City over in the number three-seed Portland Trailblazers. Uh, they've got the best player on the floor. Uh, the Thunder do, uh, and Russell Westbrook, you know, our modern-day Oscar Robertson, averaging triple-doubles for the season. Uh, and they also, by the way, swept the season series from the Trailblazers. They won it 4-0. So that's my cursory preview of the NBA playoffs. Kurt, do you have any thoughts? You know what? We, we And I talked about this when we were at the beginning of, of the NBA season. You go back and look at the discussions we were having. I'm not so sure you couldn't have put these same mods out the, the day of the, op- the, the opener. I mean, this, the NBA has become such a a, a disparity in haves and have-nots. Um, when you look at the odds, it almost defines it as that. You know, you're looking at the Warriors, who are an overwhelming favor. I mean, this is those odds are kind of laughable mm-hmm. in a sense. When you look, they're I mean, basically begging you to pit any other team on the board is what they're doing with those odds. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, because yeah, the, cause the way to look at them is you would most of the time you see odds in there four to one, five to one, eight to one, like, you know, the NHL odds we looked at yesterday. What they're essentially saying is in order to bet on the Warriors, you have to spend, you know, two and a half, three times what you would what, up front to wager on them. That's an incredible amount of juice. Right. And, and, you know, that's where a guy who can afford to put a hundred grand down. Because if you win that bet, if you put a hundred grand down, four to nine odds or fifty grand, you're gonna get a nice ROI. All right, but if you can right. only put like a hundred dollars down, you know they're they're really they're really begging the public to lay off of the Warriors. That's what they're doing with that yeah. amount of juice. Yeah, and and wow. you know those odds with two exceptions, well three, the Bucks would not have been that high going into the season. All right. Raptors would have been in the East. Bucks would not have been. Uh, the Bucks are really where the, the Celtics or the 76ers would have been. One of those two teams would have been there. Uh, the, and that right there is why they're not going to win. And the, seven, the Celtics right are probably the biggest disappointment other than the Lakers in the NBA yeah. this season. Yeah. And the Lakers would obviously be on those odds somewhere. But in general, everywhere else, you're probably right about that. That yeah. we could have done a, maybe 70% of these odds. We could have laid them down Halloween and... Meaning Looked you could at it just six months later and had the season. same rankings. Yeah, yeah, you could have just skipped the regular season and gotten yourself uh, in this. But I, I, I'm not so sure. I, I, I do, I do love all the other odds. I mean, I, I, I mean, if the Warriors don't win, I mean, I think it's a crapshoot. I, I really do. I, I don't think any other team. Well, imagine if my if my value investment were to hit. Imagine if the Rockets were to win because that's the semifinal round when they would right. play. Because the Rockets are uh, the fourth seed in the West. If that were to be the semifinal round, in terms of what that would do for the rest of the NBA playoffs, it would throw it wide open. And frankly, I think it'd be a good thing for the league. Because there's no obvious foil in the East. There is no LeBron with Cleveland, for example. There's no team that's an obvious ratings foil in the East for Golden State that I I kind of think you would see uh, whatever interest you believe there is right now. It it would be diminished considerably. And that's I, I I would probably even though I know it's going to sound like a homer I'm not a Celtics fan I grew up a Suns fan I would probably I, I wouldn't have a problem with the Celtics 
Here's Only the problem with the Celtics. Teams that way underperform their win totals in the regular season, and they did by over 10 games, yeah. always flame out in the playoffs. Like that's a hundred percent trend. Like you don't be, and the reason why is because unlike the NCAA tournament where it's one and done, or yeah. Major League Baseball, even where you can have a hot pitcher or two carry you. Right. Over the every series is seven games. And and it's it's very rare for a team that was expected to win fifty five games that wins forty five or forty seven to find an extra gear that may get you through a round or two, but through three rounds that almost never happens. But it could, you never know. I I, I like the roster, and, and but the other one is I, I never have a problem, especially in the NBA, putting money on the team with the best player in the world. You know, I, the Thunder at thirty five to one. That, that that's I mean, I, I it's a long shot, but. In fact, now that you mention that, if you want uh, a corollary uh, wager, if you think, you know, I think the Rockets have a legit shot going up against the Warriors. And I can see why the Rockets kind of slept walked uh, you know, through the regular season because they were so close to Golden State last year. For them, it was just right. about get in the playoffs and, you know, who cares whether you win 53 or 63 games if you're Houston now, right? Golden State's your target. Well, I, you know, here's a, here, here's a corollary. If you believe that the Rockets have a legit shot. And we just talked about how wide open this would get, right? If they were to eliminate Golden State in the conference semifinals. Why not take a flyer on the if you believe on who might be the best player on planet Earth right now in Russell Westbrook because it's a it, you know what I'm saying that that yeah. would open once up the field the considerably Duke, once you get rid of the Duke yes right yeah everybody then everybody a Texas Tech can, can then a Texas Tech's got a shot right is that kind of what yeah. you're saying a little bit yeah. That's a good analogy. Speaking of college basketball, let's go there next. We don't have to spend a lot of time on this, but I think this is something we need to set for the uh, for the, our, our fans out there because I'm watching people overreact as all these early entry declarations for the NBA draft come in and you're seeing a huge amount of players sign with agents. And I'm watching fan bases on social media go, he gone, he gone, he gone. Hey, just a quick fact check here, guys. All right, The rules have changed. So you are allowed now to sign with an agent. And still, if, if you pull yourself out of the draft by May 29th, even signing with an agent, provided you didn't get any, any, any improper benefits, and that doesn't include travel, lodging, meals, right. uh, like if they didn't buy you a car, they didn't buy mama a house, okay, stuff like that, all right? So outside of the basic uh, expenses that it takes for you as an amateur to go to Portsmouth or the NBA combine, et cetera. All right. Outside of that, you can have an agent guiding your process all the way through now. And as long as you pull yourself out by the deadline of May 29th, you can retain your eligibility. So at this point, I don't know why anybody who's ever thought they had a chance at the NBA wouldn't take advantage of that. Why, why there wouldn't be 150 college kids declaring early. And and if you're, if they're going to give you those, those, those kinds of accommodations, why wouldn't you see what your market value is when it doesn't cost you anything? They're also working on a rule that may get finalized before the NBA scouting combine that if you are, if you'd stay in the draft, uh, and still didn't take any improper benefits. And you go und- if you're invited to the combine and you go undrafted, you then may still be able to come back. And the reason why the NBA combine matters so much is because there's 60 draft picks in the NBA. The NBA combine invites 60 to 70 players a year, which means your chances of getting drafted if you're not invited to that combine, particularly as an American player, are, are slim and none. All right. right. And so with those kinds of accommodations already here and in the offing, Kurt, why wouldn't you take advantage of those if you if you yeah. had the chance? Here's 
here's where we're headed uh, and, and why we aren't already there. I'm not really sure. We're headed to the uh, to the baseball uh, format. You're going to get drafted. If you don't sign, you'll be able to go back to school. There, mm-hmm. There's no reason for the NCAA. Hockey not has to a do similar that. format, too. Yeah. Yeah. There's no reason not to do it. And it's going to happen in football, too. Just because the that's the only way the NCAA is going to even have a remote chance of holding on to talent for longer than a year. I think what it, you just said is important because I think a lot of our, a lot of people forget other than because there are sports other than bas- men's basketball and football, like dozens of other sports that the NCAA sanctions and regulates. And the only two sports that have these sorts of rules in terms of your eligibility and the like, are football and men's basketball. Literally, in all the other sports, you can do variations of what they're just starting to let you do now in men's basketball. It's been the rule, like, I remember at the University of Miami when A-Rod was coming out of high school. And they were literally, hey, is he going to show up for classes? Because that was going to tell us if he was going with the Mariners as the number one pick in the draft or he was going to go ahead and play for the University of Miami, right? This is, and that was, what, 20 years ago. So this has been going on in all the other sports that the NCAA regulates. The only two that they haven't permitted this sort of flexibility are football and men's basketball. And I don't wonder if that doesn't add to the level of corruption that we see in those sports. Yeah. As opposed to now, the they other. would tell you that they, they don't permit it because of the corruption. Right. But you and I, and, and again, we keep politics out of it, okay? But this is where an understanding of human nature, how markets work, all right? Yeah. And that actually, in general, you know, you can't have anarchy. There has to be some regulations because we don't trust human nature, right? If you tell airlines, for example, they don't have to have any inspections, sooner or later, one of them's going to cut corners and put lives at risk. We recognize that, okay? But in general, all right? Competition is the best incentivizer to create excellence and de-incentivize corruption. All right. And the reason why there's a black market, as I pointed out before, the reason why there's a black market for all of these high school basketball players is because there's an actual market for their services that the NCA will not allow you to tap into where these shoe companies want to sign them before they go to the NBA. And so mm. that, that market value is not going to go away. Because, because the governing body says you can't have access to it. Instead, what right. will happen is a black market will be created. And that's that goes to what we've seen happen in college basketball the last couple yep. of decades. Yep. That's exactly how that's going to play out. Let's go to Major League Baseball. I'm going to call a shot right now. All right. So the 1987 Milwaukee Brewers started 13-0, and 17-1. That's the only team since divisional play began in 1969 that won 13 of its 15 first 15 games and made no postseason. I'm going to call a shot right now. Tell me if you agree or disagree. The 2019 Seattle Mariners are going to be the second because they're 13 and two in their first 15 games. I think they're going to join the 87 Brewers as the only teams to win 13, at least 13 of their first 15 games and not make the Major League Baseball postseason when all is said and done. Do you agree or disagree? I will I will do something I don't normally do here. I'm going to take the opposing view simply for the discussion. I'll disagree for this reason. <clears throat> in 1993, when we went to the playoffs, we went to the playoffs because of the first three games of the season. We swept the Astros because of what they did in the offseason. They were the favorites. They had made some big free agent signings. But we swept them, and in, a, in a all wins and losses are not created equal. We swept them by Mickey Morandini hit a home run in extra innings off Doug Jones. Their That's closer. a name I've not heard for ages. Yes. You going to drop but a buddy Bianca back, on me next or what? Here, yeah. go ahead. 
on the flight back to Philly, we the discussion was, you know what, we 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 thought we might be this good in spring training. We are this good. I can absolutely there. Seattle has a talented group of players. They also have a division that might not be the most competitive. I don't. When you here's the thing. When you when you give Bryce Harper incentive by calling him underrated, that's one thing. When when you give a room full of guys confidence that are supreme athletes, it's a totally different ball game. These guys are showing up to the park and they're not showing up with any other expectation. Is we're going to go out and play and win a game. You the, no one's at no one in Seattle is saying, "Oh my God, I can't believe we're doing this." This is. These guys, whether they whether whether it's true or not, it doesn't matter. It's whether they believe it or not. And uh, I'm going to disagree. I'm going to say, given the the, the coolish uh, starts in the East, where we thought you and I think you and I both think and thought that you know the Blue Jay or the uh, Rays, Sox, and Yankees were going to be the three playoff teams. This could be a. I, I can see the Mariners taking a wild card after this stop because again, that they don't have to win these games in September. Hmm. Those 1987 Brewers, by the way, I know that season very well uh, because uh, that was the last division title my Tigers won, their last postseason appearance in the Sparky Anderson era. Uh, and they started 11 and 19 that year when the uh, when the Brewers started 17 and one. The Brewers actually finished in third place in the division that season because yeah. the Tigers and the Blue Jays came down to the very last game on Sunday 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 afternoon baseball on ABC Al Michaels on the call Frank Tanana versus Jimmy Key Ooh. in one of the most famous final games in Major League Baseball history it was one to nothing at Old Tiger Stadium the old, and Jimmy Key we like we made Jimmy Key's career he freaking owned us my whole life yeah all right but the one the one run that was scored Larry Herndon you remember the old Tiger Stadium had that 440-foot oh, center I, field? No, that, I played there. Ugh. Yeah, no one hit home runs out there. In fact, that's where they that, put the batting cage. Yeah, when when I was when I was 18, after we after I turned 18, we used to go sit out there. It was four dollars to sit in those bleachers out there, and we'd go when the when the Blue Jays were in town because in Canada the drinking age was 18. So all the and the, all the Canucks would sit out there and buy guys like me beer. Because right. we, you were so far out, the security guards didn't want to walk that far to card right. you. Okay, you take a tram. <laughs> yes. All right. Larry Herndon hit a ball off of the 440-foot center field facing. And that was the only run of that game. And the Tigers won that game on the last day of the regular season. Frank Tanana, complete game shutout against Jimmy Key. One to nothing. And I'm going to bet you, if you go back and look at that that start, if, if you take sabermetrics back 30 years, I'll bet you those that 11 and 19 and 17 to 1 were diametrically opposed to what the sabermetric numbers were telling you. Mm-hmm. You know, I bet you the run differentials wasn't 11 and 19. Expected records wasn't 17 and 1. And they just course corrected. The reason I remember the 11-19 is Sparky used to always say he knew he he would always call his wife at the end of spring training and tell her where they yeah. were going to finish. And he was always right. But but he knew for sure 40 games in how good the team was going to be. And I remember watching Tigers 87. That was the pregame show on the local Tiger Network with with Al Kaline and George what? Kell when I was growing up. And so they had Sparky Anderson out there outside Tiger, you know, outside the dugout doing his pregame thing. And you're like, hey, your mark's always been 40 games in. We're 11 and 19. <laughs> we suck. And Sparky said, I'll tell you right now, by the end of the year, you're going to be very proud of where this team finishes. And lo and behold, they went 98 and 64 after starting 11 and 19. So there you go. Um, let's go to the Masters. 
so let's get a shot of the leaderboard. And this leaderboard is uh, really impressive. A lot of high scores, a lot of names that we know. All right. Uh, it's funny. There was a there uh, there was a big story going around about Brooks Kepka may have hurt his NHL or I'm sorry his uh, his PGA career because he slimmed down to pose nude for ESPN's body issue. Because this is the guy with the guns, the big muscular guy, right? Then he goes out there and uh, he's uh, has the uh, the lead, tied for the lead, first round of the Masters, first major. After this, goes, after this goes out there and goes viral, I think I even sent you a link to that story yesterday. All right, yep. there's Tiger Woods there as well. I think the last thirteen Masters champions all were in the top ten after day one. All right, so I'm going to go a little bit off. Even though Mickelson is always my 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 uh, sentimental pick, I'd love to see him win another green jacket. I'd actually like to see Tiger win. Okay, but in terms of whom I'm going to pick to win this, I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler. He's right around. Uh, he's within striking distance. What three or four shots? Three or four shots back. There you see him tied with Tiger Woods. And if you go back, this is a guy, sometimes you're just hovering around the target and you get close enough and you're due. Last year, um, he's got three top five finishes in majors in the last two seasons, okay? Mm. And he's yet to win one. So I think sooner or later, you're going to break through. So I'm going to go with Ricky Fowler for my kind of off-the-board pick to win the Masters. What say you, Mr. Schilling? My guy was Kepka before your article and still is, and I'm watching it live right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeChambeau and Kepka are both at 7-under, uh, after, and DeChambeau's at, after two. Mickelson just birdied his second hole. Uh, uh, he's 6-under. So it, it's... It's uh, I I don't know I think that's too much ground and too many good golfers in between Fowler and the top, um, but he could certainly have a day. But I, I I'm gonna stay with Kepka. I I really think that again this is anytime you, there are certain athlete when you give an athlete that's an elite athlete motivation different things happen and I think Kepka you know he's questioning his I, and again I, I I saw the 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 article read the article and it makes total sense you don't you know. Uh, flexibility and range of motion are a golfer's big thing. But if you give two golfers the same swing and one's bigger than the other one, mm-hmm. the bigger one's going to hit the ball farther. The way and, that the way that Kepka's come out here, though, in response to some of that, to that criticism, and and this is going to be something that we're going to talk a lot about now that you know golf season. And as far as I'm concerned, golf season is basically major season. I don't really care right. about the FedEx Cup. I don't care about the Ryder Cup because that's football season, and right. we're in the you know the pennant chase in Major League Baseball. So for me, I care about golf four times a year, and this is one of them. I'll be watching a ton of Masters this weekend. Right. And this is something we started talking about at the end of uh, when we debuted this show last. Last summer and the whole debate about whether Tiger was back or not. And, and you and I came to the conclusion that we kind of think Tiger is back, so to speak, yeah. but it's a different field than when he dominated. And you look at the way Kepka has responded to the criticisms that he took going into the Masters about changing his physique and would that change his game? And the dude just goes right out there and, you know, what did he Birdie, drop? And Birdie's the first hole today. <laughs> yeah, yes. And and so he dropped what was a pars of 72. So he dropped a 66 yesterday, right? Yeah. And then he birdies the first hole today. Tiger, I think, he could be quote-unquote back. And we may never see him win a major again because the mental edge that he had you know, you you and I are old enough to remember when David Duvall was the number one player in the world. Yep. World enough to remember when Mickelson couldn't beat him. You know, if if he if you were in his final grouping, 
You know, Tiger Woods has never come back to win a major on the last day, and he's never lost a major that he led on going into the last day either. If he threw, if he threw on that red shirt, the mental edge that he had over you, it was over at that point. And now there's this new generation of guys, the Jordan Speeds, the Brooks Kepkas, these guys, they were inspired by that. Yeah. And and so I think there's a there I, I think they they're not as intimidated as they used to be. And they so didn't he, have to but they didn't have to play through that. They right. didn't have to play through that tiger phase. They right. got to skip it. And they've got a mortal tiger. And 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 the reason I think you're probably right on the or or, or close to right on the not winning any more majors potential is he doesn't have in my opinion, he doesn't have that killer nine hole run mm-hmm. where he goes seven under. He 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 plays playing more consistent, but he's playing more consistent good golf and not more consistent unreal golf, and there, that's the difference. I mean, he wasn't winning tournaments. He was just he was the Warriors. He was winning with eighteen under, and the field was seven under. Mm-hmm. And that guy doesn't exist anymore. And, and the top the leaderboard is full of people that I think are as good as him now. If not better. Yeah, see, I yeah, think if we even got him in, physically where he was 15 years ago, I don't think he would dominate now the way he did 15 no, years ago. No, I don't think so either. He'd be the best player in the world. I think we'd still think he'd probably be the best player in the world. But you wouldn't see prop bets with the, with, with the depth of talent that exists today. You wouldn't see prop bets of Tiger Woods versus the field like we did 15 years right. ago. You wouldn't see right. stuff like that now. And I think that's the issue. And that's why I think if he does, maybe he'll win one more. And it'll be like a Jack Nicholas at the 86 Masters moment where it's kind of magical. I, I think he'll absolutely, you know, for the for the next few years, be consistently one of the top 10 players in the world, a consistent threat, things of that nature. But I don't, we're ne- I, there's no way, I don't think he's going to even come close to breaking that, uh, that uh, majors record that has sort of been, um, you know, his uh, white whale throughout the course of his career. Yeah. Because while he was rehabilitating his image, rehabilitating his body the depth of this field got much stronger not just physically but mentally i think kurt they're just not intimidated well, and anymore. that was where he was winning was mentally on sundays i mean physically yes he's a different animal uh he was a different animal but mentally like you said on sundays you could see the fact that his final pairing was who was going to finish behind him mm-hmm. and not who was going to challenge him mm-hmm all right, Kurt. Great stuff, and have a great weekend, brother. All right, take you care. Too. We'll I'll see you talk next to you. week. Bye. All right, pal.